Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Football Talk from the Yorkshire Post, where we will be discussing some of the latest talking points from the world of football with members of our football writing team. On this week's episode, we're joined by Chief Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Stuart Rayner, and Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Leon Robshall, to discuss all of the latest developments affecting our local clubs. Don't forget, you can keep up to date with all the football news across Yorkshire and beyond by logging onto our website at www.yorkshirepost.co.uk forward slash sport, as well as checking out our various Twitter feeds, the main one being at YP Sport. If you search for Yorkshire Post Sport, Yorkshire Post Football or even Sheffield Sport on Facebook, you can find us there as well. If you have any questions for our writers, you can get in touch using those various Twitter or Facebook pages or email us directly with the subject matter as footballtalkpodcast at yp.sport at jpimedia.co.uk. Yorkshirepost.co.uk Okay, so let's kick this week off uh, by first talking about Leeds United, who saw the beginning of the Jesse Marsh era. And even though it ended in a 1-0 defeat at the hands of Leicester City, um, there were some positives to be seen, wouldn't you say, Stuart? Absolutely, yeah. It was um, was a better better organised performance defensively. They, they looked more solid. Um, they still posed a considerable... Uh, goal threat. We had 19 shots in the game. Um, really, the only the only thing that was was missing was their finishing in front of goal. And to be honest, that's been a problem throughout, uh, or that was a problem throughout Bielsa's time. So, I don't think that's something you can expect a new coach to turn around in the space of four days. Um, obviously, Patrick Bamford. Um, we were speaking before the Aston Villa game. We're hopeful Patrick Bamford will be involved in in, in that, um, and that will. It certainly improve things. Won't solve all the, all the problems at, at that end of the field, but it'll certainly improve things. So, so yeah, things things are looking positive. There's a there's a good mood about the place. There's not there's obviously sadness that Marcelo Bielsa's gone, but it's not sort of translated into negativity against his replacement. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's there, there's definitely still work to be done um, because when all said and done, they they did lose the game. Yeah. But um, I think there is, I think there is cause for optimism. Yeah, I think you. I mean, I can understand taking positives. You but it, you know, at the end of the day, it is it's just all about points now, isn't it? Really, however, yeah. However, Leeds play. It's the stage of the season where you know whether at, at, you know at both ends of the, of the table and you know quite quite a lot of games, but probably more especially in the championship. You do get this all sort of, these tight and tense games, and, and it's purely about finding a way whether whether leads leads play well, average, poor, whatever. Just just got got to somehow grind out you know a win, and you look they've got the two home games now, and um, they desperately need one in one victory, and and at least one of them. And um, yeah, it just doesn't to me. It's become a little bit of an irrelevance, really, how they do how they do play. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the one thing I would say on the on the back of the evidence of the Leicester game is, um, you should be able to at least keep some clean sheets or you know or yeah. keep the, the goals down. Whereas in the last few weeks of Bielsa, they were guaranteed almost to concede mm-hmm. concede goals. So uh, once you get the defensive side, you, you've at least got a chance of uh, of picking up some points. And as Leon says, it, it doesn't matter if it's a, a, a lucky win, an ugly win, or whatever. You know, they've they've, they've just got to get those points because it's getting very nervy for teams like teams like Everton and Leeds yeah. in particular, who mm-hmm. were probably expecting all the way through this season that they got the quality 
to uh, to keep themselves safe and just haven't been able to pull away. So they, they, they definitely will need to sharpen up because, as, as I say, even when Bamford was in the team, you know, even when the team was playing well, you know, in the, yeah. in the good times in the championship, they'd be they'd be winning games 3-0 when they should be winning them 5 or 6-0. It's always been a failing, really, that they haven't been quite as ruthless as you want, which is probably partly a reflection on the, on the budgets they're working with, to be honest with you. You know, they, they aren't able to buy those sort of players who... Who guarantee you goals, but they they do need to uh, they do need to improve that because their wastefulness. Um, well, it costs them against Leicester City, and it, it could cost them in games to come as well. And um, I suppose in the start of the season as well. I mean, they, they sort of chipped away, didn't they? I'm thinking you know the Watford game got a one nil, went to Norwich, weren't particularly you know free flowing in that, and, and got the win. And um, you know they showed those sort of signs of it, even though it's been difficult in the first half of the, of the season with, with injuries and, and what have you. They just got to do that again, haven't they? You know, I mean, we know we all know that Leeds on the day when things go right, um, you know, can really, really get get it together and um, and hit the straps. But it's just that other side of it, really. And just if you can just you know dig out a, a, a scrappy ugly win from somewhere, that would be for me is probably as reassuring as, as anything else. Yeah. And um, has there been any uh, updates with regards to uh, some of the injured players at Leeds United, uh, Stuart? Well, um, so speaking before the Aston Villa game, as I say, Marsh was expecting uh, Bamford to, uh, to to play in that game. I say, I'm, I imagine as people are listening, they'll, they'll, know, they'll know one way or the other. But um, the flip side was that Tyler Marsh... Uh, Tyler Marsh, Tyler Roberts ruptured his hamstring and is is out for the season. But in terms of um, the other two sort of key players for that spine of the team, Liam Cooper is back in training. Calvin Phillips is not far behind, and I think Marsh is looking at basically getting them both up to speed during the international break um, and ready for the end. And obviously, if they can if they can have that that spine of the side fit uh, and playing regularly, it makes such a difference because. Obviously, Leeds have suffered so badly as, as any team would. You know, even Manchester City and Liverpool would. What we saw with Liverpool a couple of seasons ago. If you take the spine out of any team, uh, they're going to they're going to struggle. Cooper brings in defensive organisation. You know, Phillips knits things together and is so good at starting the attacks. And we say Bamford's Bamford's finishing. Um, so yeah, it is important. There was some positive news with uh, Leo for for Helder as well in that um, his knee surgery's gone well and, and Marsh is saying he should be back in weeks rather than months. Okay. So hopefully he's getting some of the good luck on the injury side that Marcelo Bielsa didn't have, but it certainly didn't feel that way when Tyler Roberts was hobbling away for the last 10 minutes of the game um, as, a, as a virtual passenger. So we, we shouldn't count our chickens on that one. No, no. And uh, next we turn to the Championship, starting with Barnsley, who, after their 3-2 victory over Middlesbrough, fell to a 2-0 defeat when they faced off against Derby County, which must have been a bit of a blow to their survival hopes. Um, they then conceded in the 96th minute to end up at drawing with Stoke City and remain five points behind Reading and safety. Could these recent drop points possibly prove costly, Leon? Well, yeah, absolutely. A couple of huge body blows that but they've just got to carry on regardless really haven't they I mean the unfortunately they never turned up at at Derby it was almost um, um, a total contrast to the previous game with Middlesbrough where they just flew out the traps at Barnsley really 
pick the moments to press and press with intensity, in, in, uh, especially in the first half with, you know, Bassey and Queen are causing all sorts of problems. But they just, I, I had had a feeling before the Derby game, there was just something about it. I just thought it was a big game for both sides. But I just think Barnsley's, um, sorry, Derby's desperation was that bit more. So I just thought it was a dangerous game for, for Barnsley in that respect. And obviously they were coming off the back of a, a big game performance against Borough and they just couldn't ultimately couldn't um, sustain it and um, Derby were right at it from the off dominated midfield we've spoken you know numerous times about Barnes' issues in, in midfield they've got some young inexperienced players and for however, however well they played in the previous two games against um, Borough and, and Hull it's, it's a different matter in terms of sustaining that so you know, fair play to Derby. They they dominated Barnsley on the day, fully deserved to win. And um, the, the Stoke game was, you know, a little bit uh, a little bit different. Derby um, Barnsley never really flew out of the blocks. It was quite a, a quite a tightish game. Stoke with a pretty better side in the in the first half, and it was one of those sort of games in that Barnsley have shown a bit of a way to. If they're going to win at home, it's going to be it's going to be tight, and they're going to. Nick a win. They sort of did that against against QPR um, with a goal from Queener, and you just hoped it'd be a be a rerun. They scored a great goal, Queener again, a lovely curler into the top corner. Then it was just about game management, and did pretty well. But there was a long delay at the end, and you could just see. I actually um, tweeted a few minutes before before um, Stoke scored. Not that um, you know, I predict most things right at the time, but. Um, they were getting deeper and deeper. Pressure came from Stoke. Um, Claudio Gomez was a corner. Couldn't clear his clear his lines properly. That was compounded by um, Devante Cole was weak in a challenge with with James Chester. The ball broke for Baker, and it was you know an outstanding goal. And um, yeah, you, you know it was a, a, a big moment for Barnsley, but just as big for for definitely Reading supporters and. Um, and Derby and you know possibly Peter as Peter as well. They got a good result at, at Bournemouth. So yes, psychologically a huge blow. It was really flat afterwards. Mm. Poyer as as Bar he was was obviously you know understandably deflated. But uh, they've just got to they've got to summon up the will to to go again. I mean you look at it. They've lost. I think they lost two out of six, which which is decent. And they're still in not. If if you just take away the Bar- um, the Derby performance. They've been um, there's been a bit of an upturn, and it's probably one of the best sort of spells of the of the season. They've got two home games now, hugely difficult one against Fulham, and then Bristol City in midweek. And and as we talked about, Leeds just about points now for Barnsley, isn't it? You know, if they can get three or four points, then um, they're in an okay place again. Yeah, yeah. I guess the thing about them is, you know, they've got. A- a fairly solid defensive foundation, all things yeah, considered. Yeah. You know, Brad Collins is having a great season and he's being well protected by the players in front of him. But it just feels like now they've got Queener and, and Bassey, they've got the opportunity to, to to score goals, to create things if they can if they can stay in games. I mean, I, I guess what they're bringing to the team now is what Alari and Iseka were supposed to bring at the start of the season. You just wonder, you know, if, if they've got those transfers how different how different things would have been but yeah it's 
they've given themselves a chance. The other thing is they've given other teams a head start, isn't it? So it's just a question of whether they can whether they can catch it up. But at least you know we were we were we were very downbeat about Barnsley on this podcast. You know, particularly yeah. in, in January, weren't we? At least at least they've given they've given the supporters a bit of hope. Um, it's a it's a pretty small con- consolation, but um, but they're, they're, they're fighting. They're fighting away. So, with you know, with the exception of that that derby game, um, they're giving it they're giving it a go. And I suppose that's um, that that's that's all you can ask for, really. Yeah, I think they've just got to try and stay in the race if they can until the yeah. the Reading game. You know, at the start of April, that's that's a huge. I mean, we talked about the, the derby game, and I think the I think the Reading one will be even even more important. Um, really, I mean, if they can get it, get even a point against Fulham, that would be outstanding wouldn't it you know but you know then I really think as well they need they'll need to beat Bristol City as well just to sort of stay stay in the game as well because they'll have a tough one at Sheffield United um, before the international break and you know the Blades have been outstanding at home haven't they under Paul Bottom, they haven't lost in about eight or nine so that'll be a tall order for a side who who've only won one away game all all season but uh, yeah, there are there is a little bit of of hope at least um, for Barnsley, as Stuart said, because you know not so long back they didn't look to be any. No, no. And uh, next we head to Middlesbrough, who bounced back from their three-two defeat at Barnsley with a two-one win over Luton Town, but then fell to a heavy four-one defeat at the hands of Chris Wilder's old club, um, Sheffield United. Um, how do you think Borough will continue with the final for the final stretch of the season? Uh, with a playoff place on the line, Stuart. Well, they seem to be they seem to be in quite an inconsistent phase at the moment. You know, we were we were praising them, you know, quite quite rightly earlier in the season for the consistency they were showing and the resilience to grind out results. Now their away form, in particular, is a is a big concern, and it's it's an even bigger concern because three of the next four games are are away from home. I mean covered that game at Bramall Lane and it was really Sheffield United played played really well I mean that's 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 the first thing to say we'll obviously come on to that but um, it was disappointing just how easily Middlesbrough just seemed to seem to crumble as soon as as soon as they went behind you know until until Sheffield United had had gone ahead there hadn't been much in the game either way just a few half chances either way but as soon as they went they went ahead. You felt like they were going to win. It was that they were that much better than Middlesbrough. And I say on the back of obviously a, a, a very disappointing start and a sort of belated fight at Barnsley uh, and the defeat at Bristol City. You know, and they, uh, obviously the, the draw at QPR wasn't a bad result at the time, particularly in the context of where QPR. Um, where QPR are and what QPR are doing, but it it just feeds into that narrative. Then on the you know on the back of the on the back of the uh, Blackburn game, I don't think they've won uh, they've won away from home uh, this calendar year year yeah, in the uh, Blackpool game, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly in in the league at least. Um, yeah, so you, you you do worry that things are fizzling out, and and you always you always worry when a team's having a, a good cup run whether it will. You know, it could either turn people's heads or motivate them. I'm, I'm genuinely not sure what impact that's had, but certainly they, they've lost a bit of that momentum, which just had you feeling, you know, 
earlier in the year that they were almost certain to make the playoffs. They were in they were in such good form. It doesn't feel like that anymore. So they they need to get uh, a bit of a second win because you know the home form's been uh, the home form's been very good. Um, that's that in fact record breakingly good in in recent terms. So that's that that's not a concern at all. But obviously you don't. Uh, you don't make the playoffs when you've when you've given everyone such a head start unless you can string you know back to back results together and at the moment they're just not able to do that. No. I think as well you touched on the cup cup games too. I think as well obviously they went to Man United got a head turning result went on penalties and you know the country saw that outstanding performance in the next round against Tottenham. It's sort of given, I mean, a, a game against Borough in the top six makes, you know, it's, it's a big game for, for championship teams, but it's, I think additionally doing well in the in the Cup has probably put a bit of a target on the back as well, hasn't it? You know, teams, yeah. whoever they are, you know, whether they're, you know, you, you know the other week Borough lost to, to Bristol City and you think they'd be one of those teams that you'd probably want to play at this, this time of year where they, they haven't got a great deal to play for on paper. Got turned over there, so, you know, they're a, they are, you know, a scalp at, at this level, and it's and it's sort of dealing with that. And you know, they had obviously had an intense game against Spurs in the cup, went to extra time, then they got plunged straight into another, you know, a really important game this time in the league against Luton. Luton are a, a real physically strong side, and uh, you know, excellent f- fitness and energy levels, and obviously, Borough got. Um, Came out on, on the right side of that, but you wonder how much that uh, that took out of them. And you know that then obviously going to Bramall Lane, you know they've been we spoke, spoken earlier about how strong Sheffield United are, and when they when they get their act together and they're on form, there's there's not too many sides who who live with them. And uh, yeah, I mean the away form is is a concern, conceding too many soft goals as well. I mean we've, we've spoken before about. You know, given Dale Fry and uh, Paddy McNair a lot of raps this season, but you know they've they've conceded some poor goals. That the, the back line at Middlesbrough lately. I just wonder, even you know, someone like Sol Bamba to come in. They've got a big game at at Millwall at the weekend. You know, they're another one that would seem to be getting these sides who nobody's talking about slipping under the radar, and then they suddenly appear. So I wonder if you might be tempted to. To maybe bring him back to, um, to that one to add a bit more strength in the in the back line. They could do with um, Riley McGree as well. He played you know pretty well against um, West Brom the other week, and Borough got a, another important win. Um, he's been out with a calf injury, and you know it'd be nice to see him back um, back on deck to you know provide another option in in the midfield there. But uh, yeah, at the minute they're not showing that con- that consistency, are they? I think was it five without a win away from home, and they've and they've lost four. So um, yeah, the next it'll be, it'll be obviously Millwall's gonna gonna be a tough one, and then Borough go to Birmingham, which isn't a traditionally a happy hunting ground there. So uh, we'll have to see where, what happens in those. Yeah, I mean both those games really feel like Sol Bamba games, don't they? The sort of, and, and the Sol Bamba sort of situation where you know they yeah. just need a bit of grit and a bit of leadership. And and to be honest with you, I mean while there was. As you hardly hardly need to tell anyone, Wilder was not a happy bunny after the Sheffield United game and the way his team performed. He probably does need to to put a bomb under a few of them and just make them yeah. make them worry yeah. about whether they're going to be able to play against Chelsea in that in that glamorous FA Cup tie because we know what he's like. He won't mess about if he's not no. 
No. He's not happy with the performance of anyone, and no respecter of reputations. Uh, mm. And they, they, they just do need to get a bit of that, a bit of that edge back. I mean, I, I suppose that's all. That was always the worry with them and Sheffield United. They gave everyone such a good, such a big head start. They got such a head of steam going. You know, Christmas time uh, uh, in the case of Middlesbrough, early January uh, in the case of Sheffield United. It's a long time to, to sustain it in a in a slog of a season. I say it may be that that, that Middlesbrough are having a dip and, and need to come again. We'll we'll see we'll see how Sheffield United cope with it. Yeah, they haven't really. They've obviously been you know, teams are rotating at this time of year, but it's not quite worked for Borough up front, has it? Really, I think. I like the. He's not scored too many Balogun, but I've seen you know positive signs. Um, one or two from him, but it's not really happened throughout Aaron Connolly so far, and um, you know Duncan Watmore and Spore have been a little bit up and down as well. For for every one game they've done well in, they've you know sustaining it in in the next few games, so they've got a bit of a bit of an um, an issue there. I don't know if one thing we'll be trying to get Matt Crooks a little bit further forward because you know he's the sort who can you know compete and provide that um, physicality, Nick goals you know in the in the final third. Try and get him a little bit further forward, maybe. But um, I'm sure Chris Wilder will have a have an answer. He usually does. Mm. Um, next, we turn to Sheffield United, who, after their one-all draw against Nottingham Forest, uh, when they conceded a 95th-minute equaliser, managed that very convincing win against uh, rivals Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough to take them up to fifth. Um, with the fight for the playoff places being as tight as it is, um, how do they go into their upcoming game against Coventry City, Stuart? Just they just look to keep the ball rolling. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I covered both of those games, and that that game against Nottingham Forest, it looked like they were starting to look a bit tired. It looked like because they and they started to get a few injuries. It looked like they might be catching up on them. Um, so you know, all the things I was just talking about Middlesbrough then were a concern for Sheffield United. But the quality of their performance on Tuesday, as they helped helped by poor opposition on the night but nevertheless they, they played some really good stuff they played with real high energy as well which was I think the thing that thing that um, you know the supporters needed to see as much as anything and as Leon's already touched on you know they're they're really formidable at home um, but they're, they're still doing the job away from home so it, it's it's just a case of, of keeping it going and it, it it will get draining for them because they say although they've Although they've got a big squad, um, injuries are starting to catch up with them. You know, they've got, I think, maybe three players out for the season and they've got quite a few who they are managing at the moment. You know, people like uh, uh, John Fleck and Conor Hurahan and what have you. They're trying to patch them up and pick and choose and get them through the games and that sort of thing. So I, I suppose for them, really, it's probably just... Um, just get to the international break. I mean, they've got Coventry and Blackpool away, and then they're at home to Barnsley. Get get through those games. Have a bit have a bit of a breather and a, and a regroup. Because they say there's no there's no problem really with the quality of the football. It's just it's just asking a lot to sustain those energy levels in such a such a competitive playoff position. I mean, I was looking and their form since Heckingbottom took over is the second best in the league. So they, you know, you can't you can't quibble with their consistency or or anything like that. Um, but we all know what a slog the division is. You know, it it's one thing to be looking in a good position in in early March, 
the end of the season is still a long way away, and they've they've just got to they've just got to keep at it because you know if they can keep their energy levels up, there's no reason why they can't uh, they can't go all the way. Hmm. Yeah, I actually I don't know what Stuart Stuart thinks. I actually thought it was a it was a decent game for them on on paper against Middlesbrough. I, mean, I didn't expect them expect what happened to happen, but I, I just thought they'd obviously lost it. Lost at Millwall, they, they got the draw against Forest, and the, you know they were quite fortuitous by the by the sound of that. You know there was danger; it was going a little bit, maybe going a little bit flat. But obviously, they had a, the, the game against you know the side managed a rival and a side managed by the former man, uh, manager, really to rally round and get everybody you know going again. You know, it could have you know, it could have been playing someone you know say in mid table in, in midweek and could have gone gone a goal behind, could have got you know pretty flat, but. You know, I think everyone was able to really rally around that, and um, I think psychologically, I think it was a big game in the in the season. You know, for all manner of reasons, and um, you know, fair fair play to them. And uh, you know, you, you look at the you know, it's, it's difficult to call anything in the championship, but you know, if you can keep Billy Sharp and and, and Gibbs White, you know, really on on form and um, you know, fit and firing, they should have. Um, you know, they should have every chance, really. And um, I mean, it's not onto the. They've got two tough away games now. You know, Coventry had a good season, nothing to lose. You know, up in the in the top six mix, and um, you know, Blackpool as well are punching above the above the rate of the above the weight. And it's just about you know carrying on with the ball, isn't it? Really. And uh, I mean, the only thing that I was slightly surprised about on Tuesday was when. Um, Obviously, the, Chris Wilder when they were singing Wilder, what's the score? I thought that was a little bit, a little bit harsh, given you know what he's done at um, at Sheffield United, a huge club le- legend, perhaps alongside um, Dave Bassett. So that one surprised me a little bit, but um, you know, fair play. It was a great, great night for Sheffield United, and uh, you know, uh, some three points are bigger than others, mm. and uh, psychologically, I thought that was huge for them. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I have to point out. They, they were to get that, but it was a it was a very brief thing in an otherwise very um, I wouldn't say respectful that that's downplaying it. You know, loving reception, the reception that he absolutely deserved, and Alan Nill and, and Matt, Matt Presswich. You know, he got a a real a real um, ovation when he when he came out for the start of the game, and it, it was just that one burst. But it was it was slightly disappointing to hear. But you know, that's football, and he's a big boy, and he'll get over it, and all that sort of thing. Um, I, I'd, I'd agree with what Leon says, and, and and I think that's that's a challenge now. It was easy for them to get up for that game, with the greatest of respect. Coventry and Blackpool won't float their boat in the same way, but they'll be every bit as difficult. In fact, they'll probably be more difficult given the way Middlesbrough played on Tuesday. Um, so yes, they've got to, they've got to use this and and just just use the motivation of you know regardless of who we're playing and what situation they're in. It's just about do you know? Do we want to be in the Premier League or not? Something, mm-hmm. and that's that. That's got to got to drive them on. Uh, and again, you know, you mentioned Sharp and Gibbs White, particularly Billy Sharp. Just keep everything crossed that he doesn't get injured because he's such a he makes such a difference. The quality of his finishing, as opposed to the you know the lesser reliability of all the other forwards. Yeah. Um, they really well, not to mention yeah. him. I think on his. On his game, you know, he could be a real weapon in that in that running as well. So absolutely. I think whereas Berg and Gibbs White are really good players and there are other really good players, they've got enough other things to compensate with those. 
Whereas I think, obviously, you lose a couple, you're in trouble. But I think if you if you lose Sharp, I just don't think there's anyone, any of the other yeah. strikers, with the greatest of respect for them, who you would who would back to put the chances away that that, that Billy Sharp does. So, you know. We, They've, they've often been substituted in late in games and trying to protect him, and uh, yeah, they just need to they just need to have some good luck and some good management of him, and uh, and the chances will be much better. Hmm. Next, we turn our attention to Hull City. Um, the Tigers suffered their third successive defeat when they fell to a two 0 uh, defeat against West Bromwich Albion. Um, what do you think they have to do to get out of this slump ahead of their uh, game against Birmingham City, Leon? Yeah, I mean they just have to find find a way themselves. I mean they're in one of those sort of sort of few teams in the in the championship that you know if you look at the league table they haven't got lots and lots to to play for. But with you know we touched on it before. It's I remember the other week Chris Wilder was speaking about before the game against Middlesbrough game against Bristol City saying look you know professionals have real have a real pride at this uh, this time of year or good professionals you know should do and uh, people are fighting for contracts and you know you look at the situation with Hull I'd obviously had the takeover in in January got a new manager in and um, you know there'll be a few players out of contract there and you know the players have to for the remaining games play their way into you know his his plans for for, ne- for next season and uh, yeah home form's been been disappointing, hasn't it, of, of late, and you know more so for for the fact that there was you know a bit of a feel good factor in the takeover. But now you look at it, I think mean, they've lost is it four on the spin, and they haven't even scored a goal. So you know there'll be some people, you know, some of those sort of you know uh, supporters in Hull will maybe thinking about coming back. One or two will be sort of maybe thinking, well, it's the same old you know different owners, same old Hull, if you like. It's a little bit harsh, but that's that's the way that some. Supporters will think so. Yeah, it's been, like I say, disappointing. One win in in seven, and um, yeah, they've got to hopefully get back on on the horse. They've got obviously two away games now at uh, Birmingham and Coventry. Yeah, it's a bit it's, it's a bit like the situation at, at Bradford City, really. In the, in terms of the end of the season, you know, contracts or no contracts, a lot of those players aren't going to be there next season because um, there will be a lot of change, and it's it's up to those that actually want to stay to, to prove that they should do. Um, you know, they, Leon's quite right to mention professional pride. That that should be the main motivation factor. But there's, there's jobs on the line because one yeah. impression you get from this owner is that he's not going to mess about. If he, no. if he thinks this squad is not up to it, he will clear it out. Um, you know, and at the moment it feels like they're just basically toddling along relying on staying up by default because the teams below them yeah. just aren't picking up enough points to enough points to close the gap and as leon says it's it, it's not great it's not great because they need they need to get they need to keep that enthusiasm from the from the fans to, to push them on a bit we often bang on about the momentum you finish one season with having an impact on the next and it, it just feels like things are going through through the motions a bit here really and that, that they are just sort of um, getting the dividend of that, that splurge of uh, of wins in in November and and, 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 early, and the splurge when the new owner came in and that's not that's not a position you want to be in you know um, so uh, yeah it, it's, it's down to individuals really to, to motivate themselves and those that can't will be looking for new football clubs next season I'm sure of that hmm. 
And uh, before we head off to the league, uh, to League One, uh, we go to Huddersfield Town, who continue their climb up the Championship table to second place with their three 0 victory over Peterborough United. And in spite of losing uh, in the cup to Notts Forest, uh, are still looking a very good side. Um, given last year's twentieth place finish, how much of this improvement is down to Carlos Corbran, Stuart? I think it's down to, to two things in particular. I think it's the coaching of Carlos Corbran has to be massively, massively praised for this, and also the recruitment which he is not involved in. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's sort of uh, Lee Bromby's department. I've, I've been saying all season. I think the recruitment has been absolutely brilliant. They've given it. They've given him the tools to do the job. He's done his job marvelously. And you know, there's they've got some real. They've got some real leaders, some real characters in that team. You know, they're really well organised. They're good at set pieces. They've been finding a way when they've been playing poorly. You know, they've been playing some good stuff as well. Can't praise them enough, really. Um, regardless of what happens in, in in what's left of the season. And, you know, the longer it goes on, the more you think they're going to make the playoffs. But but regardless of how, how it pans out, this has been a real season of progress for Huddersfield. And uh, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think we can praise them, Carlos Corbran, you know, the recruitment team, the players themselves too highly. No. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd echo everything that, that Stuart said there. I mean, I was I was at Nottingham on on um, on Monday, and in the first half especially, just you know, an outstanding cup tie, showcasing two really good teams and. A little thought just to cross my mind, thinking it wouldn't really surprise me if these two, you know, met up and bumped into each other at some point in the in in the playoffs. You know, and the Huddersfield strength, you know, Stuart rightly said, the coaching and the recruitment's been superb. It's been in the team, isn't it? It's a, you know, it's a team that's greater than the sum of the parts. You look at the, you know, they've got some, you know, big players, the likes of Nichols, Lees, O'Brien, Ward, but you know, they've got they've got a. You know, supporting cast. Um, you know, underneath that, everybody's chipped in, and obviously there'll be a little bit, bit of a reset now. Disappointing in the respect that they had the huge carrot of a uh, the game against you know Liverpool potentially on the horizon, and that would have been a fascinating game, wouldn't it? Mm. And, um, for the John Smith Stadium, and a real, you know, it remains to be seen what happens this season, but that would uh, have been a, a real indicator of the season that Huddersfield were having, and not too many. Expected, but uh, you know, Corbron's Cor- a tough ta- taskmaster. He's ambitious. He doesn't like losing. Clearly, you can see that in his in his body language. And he was unhappy with the um, with the two goals that they conceded against um, Forest. He's a he's a, a bit of a, a perfectionist, and he he didn't like um, the winner from Yates in, in particular. It was it was a rare aberration at the back from from Huddersfield. They're usually pretty strong from set plays but you know they'll uh, lick, lick the wounds and go again they've got some you know they're, I suppose when you're in their position they're all sort of big games at the you know at the end of the, of the season but they've got West Brom away they obviously got the first win under Steve Bruce last weekend then they've got to go to Millwall in midweek and we mentioned Millwall earlier they're looking dark horses hmm. and they've just got to try and build it up for that, for that Bournemouth game I mean there's level on points with them you know, Bournemouth are second on goal difference, but they have three games in hand. You know, it's likely that they will, you know, finish in the in the second automatic promotion spot. But you know, Town can have a bit of fun and, and pile on the pressure. And you know, you look at them in the table. Was it sixty-two, sixty-three points? 
you know, you think what ten games left, another four should should uh, should get them in. But I don't think they'll really be targeting that. Corbron's a very much a game by game sort of um, sort of guy, and um, yeah, I think these challenges will, will sit well with them as as much as the tough games for Huddersfield. You know, if you're a West Brom fan and a Millwall fan, Bournemouth fans especially, you'll think, oh, this will this will be a tough one, Huddersfield. Mm. Yeah. And you know the one the one thing that's kind of helping them a bit at the moment, and they they don't buy in it to this at all. Carlos Corbran is very boringly, as Leon just said, game by game, he's drummed that into his players. But he won't change at all, absolutely, and, and nor should he. But uh, nevertheless, you know the fact that they're having all these Friday games, the fact that they've played more games than other people, is just allowing them to ratchet up the pressure because yeah, everybody true. knows that Bournemouth, for argument's sake, are expected to win promotion. Huddersfield mm-hmm. Town are not expected to win promotion. You know, you could say the same about Sheffield United and teams like that. So, so the more that they can get get ahead, yeah. put to use the cricketing analogy, some scoreboard pressure up, and then and then let the others sweat about it. That's great. And you know, similarly with that Bournemouth game, if they can just keep keep it tight early on, sort of thing, make Bournemouth yeah. panic. That's all they need to do. And they, yeah. you know, they they can do their thing and then just sit back and say, right. What are you going to do about it, sort of thing? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, we, we've we've talked a few times on this podcast about them just going out, going out and enjoying it. They really are in that fortunate position where you know. Whereas we talked about Sheffield United and Middlesbrough and you know Nottingham Forest have been the same. You know, creating a lot of work for themselves by giving everyone else a head start. Huddersfield have taken that head start, and it's just just a case of doing their thing and letting other people worry about it really and, and we'll see where it takes them but um, I, I just have been so impressed with them this season not just as a team but as a club with the way they've gone about everything yeah yeah. and uh, now we head to League One uh, firstly with Doncaster Rovers um, Donny's recent improvement in form came to an end uh, with a 4-0 defeat at Cheltenham Town uh, which sees them four points from safety and having played more games than their rivals um, Adam Clayton was sent off and will now be missing some of their upcoming games. Um, how do they find their way out of the bottom three, Leon? Well, they're going to have to shape it up, aren't they? I mean, they've been, it'd been relatively encouraging their, their away form of late. You know, they've got um, got wins at the likes of Lincoln and, uh, and Sunderland, but that was a, a, a big game at, at Cheltenham. Obviously, Cheltenham. I think they come into the game. They did a lot. They got turned over by Crew at home. So I'd imagine they've got a flea in the rear from the from the manager there. But it's, it's one of, you know desperately disappointing for Doncaster losing you know four nil you know psychologically you know potentially damaging. But they've, they've, you just gotta you just gotta when you're in their situation you've got to move on, haven't you? Quickly and uh, obviously they've got games against huge game against Gillingham. Then they've got to go to Fleetwood and. Um, you know, you like to hope they can get a ideally two wins, but certainly they'll, I think they'll certainly need one win to uh, to stay in the, stay in the game and probably four points out of out of six at the very least. Yeah, I mean, one thing I will say for them is they've they've had too many of these games this season where they've just they've yeah. just collapsed. Uh, but on the flip side of that, normally do very well in the next game. They often respond with a win to it. So that's something they've got to cling to because obviously at home to Gillingham, uh, you know, a team around them, that is a game that they really need to 
really need to make pay for them having having wasted the opportunity against Cheltenham. They need to, they need to be stronger within games uh, when they when they're up against adversity. But they do at least seem to have the mentality where they can bounce back from it in the next game. Uh, as I say, the, the trouble at the moment is it's you know it's it, it's win one lose one draw one sort of thing. There's, there's no there's no run. But as I've mentioned before, you know, being con- yeah exactly to be inconsistent, you know, will keep, will probably keep you up. You know, if you're picking up, you know, two point a win every three games, you know that that that's that could be enough. Uh, but. Um, like Barnsley, I'm just I'm just pleased they're giving it a bit of a fight because it was it was looking a bit of a bit of a forlorn cause at the at the turn of the year and, and Gary McSheffrey's done you know when you when you look at the you look at the win record uh, really since since Darren Moore left uh, of the various managers it shows you Gary McSheffrey in difficult circumstances is, is doing doing a good job but um, there's, there's still there's certainly still more to do. Mm. And uh, next we turn our attention to Rotherham, uh, who in spite of seeing MK Dons uh, go down to 10 men after 25 minutes, um, the Millers gave up a two, uh, sorry, gave up a, uh, a lead to lose 2-1. Um, the lead over Wigan at the top is now down to four points, having played two games more. Um, hopefully this is just a, a blip in their promotion push. And um, what, what did you make of... Um, their cup performance, uh, Stuart? Well, first of all, obviously brilliant to get to Wembley. Um, but they, they weren't half made to work hard for it. I mean, uh, Hartlepool, you know, league. you look at it and you say, oh, League 2 side against League 1 title chasers, this should only go one way. But of course, the previous night, League 2 side sort of had knocked out Rotherham's title rivals Wigan. So that, that just shows you. Hartlepool, it was, it was full house. It was the first full house at Hampstead since the 1990s. They were right up for it. It was a really physical, demanding game, which is the last thing Paul Warren wanted on the Wednesday night before they travelled to Wickham on the on the Saturday. You know, he had to use players like uh, Mikel Miller, Ollie Rathbone, Chiro Bene, Michael Ehekwi from the bench when he was clearly trying to rest their legs and, and, and get through without them. So, it was it was far from perfect in that respect, but they got the job done. Now they've got the incentive of Wembley. You know, we we talked about with with Middlesbrough before whether when you do these things, whether it, it turns heads or it focuses things. Paul Warren's got a decent decent sized squad. He's now got that threat of if you're not performing, you won't be playing at Wembley. Something that he can use, um, but you know it. The grind of the season is starting to show, and Michael Smith was the only the only centre forward they had fit on Wednesday. I would hope and think that probably a few of those will turn out to be EFL trophy injuries that you know have magically healed themselves by Saturday, uh, in terms of a couple of the strikers. But nevertheless, um, Freddie Ladapos certainly it's going to be uh, at least a month. Paul Warren said, "Will Griggs out for the season?" So yeah. It's it it just feels like for Rotherham for quite a while now. This have, these have been the hard yards of the season, and they've been finding a way more often than not. Couldn't against a very good Milton Keynes Don's side, um, but they need to be they need to be energised and up for it against Wickham. And, and this is this is one of those weeks that's just a real physical and mental test of a of a team. You know, playing a 
intense cup tie on a Wednesday night and then playing one of your big rivals away from home, long distance away from home on, on a Saturday, it's going to be a test of character as much as uh, as much as football for Rotherham. And so far, um, their character's been very good this season, but um, so far won't count for anything unless they don't keep doing it from now until uh, now until April. Yeah, yeah I mean, they've, they've, they've sort of, we've lauded them many times, haven't they, for... You know, for many reasons, you know, the d- d- defensive sort of um, resolve and, and the character, and you know, quite often that you know when they've had a, the odd bad result, they've they've sort of you know they've hit back, haven't they? I mean, I know they lost to Accrington over over Christmas, won the next game, lost lost to Fleetwood, and then they went on a on a final unbeaten run, and you know they handled Sheffield Wednesday when they were flying and went there and and did did a job, so. Yeah, they've done it before, and they've got to got to do it again. I, I just think with everything, you know, Stuart's mentioned the the issues they've got up front as well, and you know, heaven forbid if anything happened to Michael Smith, you know, I think they're really are going to have to wrap him up in in, in cotton wool there, aren't they? I mean, they've got a tough one at, at at Wickham, and the games are usually pretty close against Rotherham, and they're another side. Who, you know, he touched about Hartlepool, Stuart with the the physicality. They'll certainly get that at. Um, at Wickham, exactly. and they've got two home games then, and then they've got two, you know, big away games at uh, at Sunderland and Portsmouth, and you know they'll uh, you, you don't really want to say so you want to go into those sort of games a little bit, you know, struggling for results and form, but you know they've, they've passed tests before, you know, rather than you know they, they do show strength in adversity, and they've just got to. They've just got to do that, uh, do that again, haven't they? Yeah, it's, it's a difficult time for them, but you know, champions come through difficult times. So yeah. say we'll, we'll see what they're made of. As Leon says, what we said about Billy Sharp before, you could probably times that by two or three for Michael Smith's importance to Rotherham at the, at the moment. You know, even at Hartlepool, he was the reason. He was the reason they they're, they're going to Wembley. So um, yeah, keep everything everything crossed that that, uh, that he stays fit. Yeah. And uh, finally in League One, uh, we turn to Sheffield Wednesday. Um, the Owls' playoff hopes took a bit of a bash with a disappointing 3-1 defeat at Lincoln City. They remain in the top six and will be looking uh, to get back to winning ways against Cambridge United. How how do you think they should go about that upcoming game, Leon? Yeah, it was funny. I mean, you know, fair play to Sheffield Wednesday. They've shown some real, you know, consistency. You know, of late in the last in the last few months, but I, I, I did sort of—it's probably the old journalist and a little bit of a cynic in me. When they obviously, I think Stuart went to the game when the, the hammered Burton, and then there was, you know, talk about well, we can go for automatic promotion and even you know win, win the league from Barry Bannon. And I did sort of cringe a little bit, and and obviously they the, the went to Lincoln and uh, you know got turned over as and that sort of thing can. Can happen, can't it, for for high flying sides at this at this time of the year? Just when you think you're at the crest of a wave and you've got a full away and you go in there, there's a bit of a party atmosphere and you get done three one. So you know, disappointing. But I think you've just got to, you know, Darren Moore's a, a, a cool and calm guy. He'll look at the you know the games they've got left. They've been strong at home. We've uh, spoken about that repeatedly. I think they've got four of the next um, five. You know, you look at the sides they're going to play with, with respect. And you know you've got to respect all sides at this time of year. They've got Cambridge, they've got Accrington, 
they've got Cheltenham and they've got um, I think it's Wimbledon. So you would like to think that if Sheffield Wednesday's quality comes to the fore, their attitude is right, and there's no sort of traces of of, of complacency, and they do the jobs at both ends of the pitch, then they should get a decent haul of points there. Yeah, I mean, uh, I did obviously listen to that. I was involved in that interview with Barry Bannon, and, and yeah, it wasn't just a talk about automatic promotion, which made you wince. Talk about going unbeaten for the rest of the season. At one point, he even said winning every game to the end of the season. Well, that lasted ninety minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just it is the nature of League One. It's the nature of, of all the football league divisions. And unless you're some sort of freak side like Huddersfield Town, you just cannot put that sort of unbeaten run together. It's it's so difficult. You can understand why it's so difficult to be consistent when you're constantly playing. Saturday, Tuesday, there's all that travelling, there's not the proper preparation, there's the pressures. So it's just about how you respond to the defeats because the defeats will come. Um, And as Leon says, Darren Moore is a very grounded personality. I mean, something else Barry Bannon said was that he's, he's an ideal personality for Sheffield Wednesday really because in this club of highs and lows and extremes he's just a very steady presence and he's, he's just gone yeah. along with his job all season long and you know the times early in the season where people were getting a bit flustered and panicky about you know Wednesday are only 11th in the table and you know why aren't they top and all this sort of thing mm. he's just stuck to his methods stuck to his way of doing things you know it's extremely Boring, as I said, with regards to Carlos Corbran, it's exactly what you need in that sort of situation. Mm. So there won't have been there won't have been any panic, any you know massive post mortems about what went wrong at Lincoln. It'll just have been reminding people of look, this is what you were doing before. This is what you stopped doing that day. This is what you need to get back to. Uh, and and I'm I'm hopeful that we'll see a, we'll see a very good reaction. They've been very good at home this season. Uh, I, I think I think and hope we'll be talking about the, this Lincoln game as just just a blip, and I don't think it'll be the last blip between now and the end of the season. Yeah. But so long as there's not too many, as long as they respond in the right way, um, you know they're they're looking they're looking good for uh, for the playoffs. Yeah, I think with the amount of games left as well, they've been playing catch up, haven't they? I think yeah, it's still early March. They're obviously disappointing at, at Lincoln, you know. A big following of Wednesday nights there as, as the tech everywhere. To be fair, you know they look at, looking at their away games coming up. You know, they've got obviously a few home games, but you know they go to Gillingham away, fighting for their lives. Um, but they're going to go to Bolton, who could be potentially might still have a sniff of, of an outside chance at the top six. Then they've got to go to MK Dons. They've also got to play Wickham and and, and then Fleetwood, who are really you know in the mix at the bottom. So. You know, that Lincoln game will, you know, serve as a little reminder that if you're just not spot on, if you're just off it a little bit um, mentally, one or two don't do the jobs, you can get turned over. So, yeah, a little bit of a reminder for those, you know, away games as well as home games coming up. Yeah, yeah. And finally for this week, we turn to League Two. Bradford City's form hasn't really improved since Mark Hughes' uh, arrival with a 2-1 home defeat to Swindon. Then they conceded a 96th minute uh, when they conceded a 96th minute penalty. Um, sitting below halfway in the league and 15 points from the playoffs, are there any reasons for the Bantams faithful to be optimistic for the rest of the season, Stuart? Uh, 
Well, it's almost like, for Mark Hughes, mentioned this with regards to Chotter Avaladze as well, it, it, it's almost a bit like being a, um, a, a youth team or a reserve team manager at the moment. The, the results are not the most important thing. Um, it's just about him sorting the wheat from the chaff in terms of the, the players he's, he's got, identifying the areas he needs to uh, needs to get in and just imposing his ideas, maybe deciding what those ideas are first, but, you know, in terms of formation and personnel and that sort of thing, but then in, imposing his ideas and his style of play onto the team. You know, it's, it's the position that I'm sure Jesse Marsh would love to be in at Leeds United, but because of the threat of relegation, you know, there's a bit more, bit more on the results. Hard though it is to, to take if you're a, a Bradford fan, I think you just have to write off promotion for another season. Yeah, just uh, I say, just knuckle down and, and, and focus on on next year because I'm afraid it, it just doesn't. I, I'd be delighted to be proven wrong, but I'd be surprised if I was. It just doesn't look like it's going to happen this year at all. No. Um, so it's all about coming flying out of the traps next season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've got some tough games coming up, haven't they? They've got to go to Forest Green, and uh, I think they've got they've got Port Vale as well in a in a week or two. I mean, you know, it sounds like the performance was was pretty decent against Swindon, but then just came out on the on the wrong side. And yeah, it's all about you know really next next season now, isn't it? Players trying to play their way in, into the manager's plans. You know, we've spoken about that at Hull. Um, you know, I don't, as Stuart rightly said, I don't think they'll be messing about. Um, in the summer there, the hierarchy. If, you know, the performances continue to be a little bit listless and inconsistent, they'll just, you know, they'll get rid of get rid of players. And, you know, Bradford have got a lot of loan players there. They've got a fair few out of contract in the in the summer. It's going to be another, not for the first time, a, a big a big turnover of, of, of players there. And the ones that were coming out of contract have got to play their way into, into users' plans with, you know, good performances. Positivity to help their own cause, else, else they'll be moved on. Yeah. And you know, we mentioned it before that um, you know, users coming is a you know, it's a huge name for League Two. Mark um, use he'll have a lot of contacts. There'll be a lot of agents pushing players towards him. I'm sure he'll he'll have the ability to get a lot of good young loan players in as well. So the Bradford players who are currently on on deck at the minute have got a got to shape up in these remaining games um, to be a part of it going forward. Yeah. And uh, finally for this week, we head to Harrogate Town. After losing 2-1 at home to Hartlepool, uh, Town are now 14th and sit just one place above Bradford City. Um, this season seems to have petered out uh, for Harrogate. What do they need to do uh, to prepare for next season? Bearing in mind... We, we we can cut them some slack as this is only the second season in the uh, Football League, Leon. Yeah, I mean, I, I think look, yeah, it has been a little, little bit um, inconsistent, hasn't it? Yeah, I just think with with Harrogate, they just need to get into a decent lick of form, just you know, to avoid you know a potential spillover into the into the season season after. You know, if the season really does drift out and they have a bit of a of a winless streak, you can you can get that hangover, can't you? You know, going into another season, and you know, it's not. Um, it's not quite still a novelty now, is it? Is it for for Harrogate? I think last season took care of itself. This is the first season, you know, where they've been playing in front of supporters regularly. So, you know, I just I just think 
some consistency in you know, more in terms of, of of results, trying to keep the back door shut, especially away from home. I know they've got a nil nil was it last time on the road at, at Barrow and they, they, you know, they've let in, let in a lot of goals on the travels you know already in the in the new year. So that that might have been a little bit of an important step. But uh, yeah, they've got some you know some tough ones coming up. They've got to go to Bristol Rovers and at Tranmere and they'll be you know with respect they'll be bigger tests than than Barrow and uh, yeah I just think you know not too much pressure on on Harrogate but if they can just get a half decent run of form before the end of the season that'll provide you know the positivity and it'll it, it'll sort of define another another half decent season perhaps you know one or two we're expecting them to maybe push for potentially for the playoffs but I think we've also still got to remember it's that it's the second season in the football league mm. yeah I think I think the big thing for them at the moment is is less looking at the results column more looking at the goals conceded you know with regards to what Ian was just saying you know they had a spell of conceding nine in three games between the uh, between the matches against Bradford which they seem to enjoy so much but but since then it's only four goals conceded in four games and I think if they can con- continue that pattern for them the rest of the season that is that foundation that Leon was talking about uh, as I say expectations were raised by them having such a good start but really uh, you've kind of got to look at things in the round and uh, if they can if they can become more solid and get to grips with the defensive issues which kind of ran away from them mid-season I think that that will represent a good end to the yeah. season regardless of exactly how that sort of shakes out in terms of results YorkshirePost.co.uk Many thanks to Stuart Rayner and Leon Wobtrell, who will doubtless join us again soon for more discussions on the Yorkshire football scene. But don't forget, you can keep up to date with all the football news across Yorkshire and beyond by logging on to our website at www.yorkshirepost.co.uk forward slash sport. Or if you search for Yorkshire Post Sport, Yorkshire Post Football or even Sheffield Sport on Facebook, you can find us there as well. If you have any questions for our writers, you can get in touch using those various Twitter or Facebook pages or email us directly with the subject matter as footballtalkpodcast at yp.sport at jpimedia.co.uk. As ever, many thanks for listening. Look after yourselves and bye for now.